0: All right. Well, I hope you brought your Bibles with you today. If not, no guilt to you. You can just grab your phone and act like you've had it with you the whole time, right? That was a joke. You can laugh. All right. Thanks. Makes me feel better. Anyway, we're actually going to talk a lot about the Word of God today and the value that it brings to our lives. So I do invite you to open your Bible if you did bring it. If not, there's one in the pew in front of you. Obviously, you can use your phone, you know, or follow along on the screen behind me. A uh, little context for what I'm reading. We're on Paul's second missionary journey. Uh, we're entering into a town called Berea. After Philippi, we went to Thessalonica, from Thessalonica to Berea, from Berea we're going to Athens. And along the way, all of this is happening now in Acts chapter 17. We're just going to spend time capping out in Berea today, and we're going to understand and be reminded of the value and the importance of the Word of God in our lives. So, chapter 17, verse 10, I'll read through verse 15. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. But when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. The believers acted at once, sending Paul on the road or on the coast, while Silas and Timothy remained behind. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join him. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful today for many things, one of them being your word. Holy Spirit, may our hearts and our minds be open to receiving the truth today. May we be eager to search the scriptures together that we may receive the truth you have for us and the encouragement we can gain by being in your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like our world is a bit chaotic these days. Amen? Amen, huh? It can be a bit discouraging, um, thinking about all the chaos and commotion that's happening in the world. I don't know that it is as chaotic as it's ever been, but it certainly is as chaotic as it's been in my lifetime, and I imagine yours as well. When we think about the days that we're in, one of the things that we hear often is that whatever was normal is no more. We're redefining a new normal. Things are unstable. The world feels a bit upside down and backwards, like it's all going in the wrong direction. Now that had to be one of the most encouraging introductions to a sermon I've ever given. (laughs) So what do we say to that? Come Lord Jesus, come now, right? Well, rather than focusing on all of the chaos in the world today, I want to draw our attention to the only place that we can find hope, and that's the word of God. A lot of things are mentioned in our world today about what is not true, but we're going to hang out today on what is true. As much as we're going to look to the word of God for truth, we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus because Jesus himself truly is our only hope. As difficult as these days may be, If you're a Christian, I want you to know that like no other time maybe in your lifetime, has God given you opportunity to be that hope giver to somebody who's living a life in despair. If you have Jesus, you have the only hope the world can have. If you hold the word of God and know the word of God, then you have a message of hope that the world needs to hear. I get it. Sometimes sharing Jesus and the word of God with people isn't always received with gladness. It wasn't for Paul and his missionary team either. As we journey with Paul through Acts 17, from Thessalonica to Berea to Athens, what we'll realize is that as the word of God was proclaimed and as the good news of Jesus was taught, Some people resisted the word of God. Some people received the word of God with gladness, while other people ridiculed and rejected the word of God. Interesting enough for for Paul, for Silas, for Timothy, remember Luke, he was on the journey with them, but he's left behind now in Philippi. The goal wasn't to get it right all the time. The goal was to be faithful to the word of God. That's what was to be right. And then we leave the results up to God. For Paul and his team, that was true for us today. That's true. Relieve yourself from the pressure of getting people to say yes to Jesus. That's God's job. Be faithful and committed to the word of God and the message of the gospel so that when you proclaim it, you can be faithful to God's word. And you can trust that Jesus Christ, through you, can use that message to change people's lives. What we have here in Acts 17, and specifically in this small town of Berea, is a group of people who, for the first time, connected all the dots of the Old Testament and were able to make sense of the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah that the Old Testament talked about, and that through Jesus, they could not only find salvation, but the life that God had for them to live. But we begin leaving Philippi in Acts 16 on to Thessalonica in chapter 17. I want to read for you briefly from the front end of this to give you a little bit of framework for how the Apostle Paul brought the gospel to communities. Paul and Silas then traveled from Philippi to Thessalonica. There was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with people. This was Paul's pattern. Wherever there was a synagogue, he would go there and he would reason with people. How did he reason with people? through his scholarly mind? Well, maybe. But more importantly, he reasoned with people from the scriptures. He took the Old Testament scriptures and he pointed out to them how they all pointed to Jesus. Passages he likely used, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, Paul would talk about how this Messiah would have to suffer and give his life and and, and bear the marks of our sin, though he was sinless, be raised to life so that he could give life. For many of the Jews who were in these synagogues, they didn't recognize the Messiah would have to die and rise again. Many of them thought that maybe there was two people, one who had to give their life and one who could give life. But Paul reasoned with people. As a result, we hear his message that that, that he gives. In verse 3, he explained the prophecies and proved the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He proved that. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah what was the result some some of the jews listened and were persuaded and joined paul and silas along with many god-fearing greek men and women prominent women the result of reasoning with people through the scriptures and using all the prophecies of the old testament that pointed to jesus resulted in people seeing jesus for who he is and embracing the truth of the gospel and the salvation and the hope that Jesus Christ could bring. We come into Berea now because what happened in Thessalonica was a mob of people rose up against Paul and Silas and Timothy because the message was so embraced that the Jews were jealous of what was going on and so they attacked Paul and they essentially ran him out of town and he ran to Berea. As they got to Berea, he began the very same way by going to the synagogue. Verse 11, and the people then in Berea, they were open-minded, more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were actually teaching the truth. See, one of the things that The Bereans are known for people who had significant uh, knowledge or understanding of the Scripture. And yes, the text tells us they were open-minded. It tells us that they were eager. It says that they searched together through the Scriptures so that they could discover together the truth. I think using the Berean church as an example for us today, we could be very encouraged to not only the importance and significance of the Word of God, but the message that the Word of God brings, a message of hope. Because let me remind you of the result that happened in Berea as the gospel was proclaimed. As a result, verse 12, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek Women and men. The Word of God is changing people's lives. And I hope that the Word of God has changed your life too. Today, I'm likely not going to share anything with you that you don't already know. So don't check out on me. What I want to do today is encourage you with what many of you already do know as we consider the importance and the value of the Word of God in our life to not only bring about salvation, but to bring about a life of holiness. So how do we receive the Word of God? Well, the first thing we do with the Word of God is we're to read it. We must read the Word of God to get familiar with the Word of God. I want to remind you today that the Word of God is more than just good information for you to know. It's the very Word of God that can not only bring about salvation to your life, but it can also help you know how to live a life of holiness. I've already said that. But as we think about and consider the authority of the Word of God, It's by understanding that the Word of God has authority in our life that what I just said can become a reality. For if the Word of God is going to be authority in our life, then we must accept that it is something that can govern our lives. It can change us. It can direct us. It can help us. It can guide us. We are to receive the word of God, not only as authority, but also as the only perfect rule for faith and conduct. So what does that mean? That we allow the rule of the word of God in our life to inform what we believe. That's what faith is. And also how we live. That's what our conduct is. And so we look to the word in a time where people are questioning what is true and what is truth in society, have little to no respect for anybody or anything that is to be authority in their life. Today we look to the truth and we receive it as authority. And when we do, not only will it change our lives, but it will have the ability through us to bring change to other people's lives as well. So as I said, the first thing is we're to read the word of God. The word of God is like food to our soul. You all know the importance as a physical being of eating and drinking. Nourishment is necessary for life. Biblical nourishment is necessary for spiritual life. How are we to come to know Jesus? Through the Word. How are we to live a life that is pleasing to God? Through the Word. I want to read for you out of Psalm chapter 19, verses 7 to 14. Listen to the importance of the Word of God. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure. Lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer in order for the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be pleasing to God, I must not only read the word and know the word and receive the word that it gets planted in me, but I must respond to that word in faithful obedience. We are 324 days into our one-year Bible reading. I don't say that to guilt any of you who haven't jumped on the reading train yet. I do say that to encourage you for those of you who've been on it. And for those of you who haven't picked up and joined us on the Bible read through this year, I want to remind you, you still have 41 days left to get on board. There'll be nothing better for your soul than for you to be nourished by the word of God. If you're looking for encouragement and what to read and how to read and why to read and where to read, if you don't have the YouVersion Bible app, I want to encourage you to download that onto your phone. You have instant access to the Bible. There's a ton of reading plans in there you can choose. There's a verse of the day that you can just click on every day and either read it yourself and meditate on it or watch the one minute 30 to two minute little video that comes with the verse of the day. And as you take the verse of the day, you can ask yourself these three things. What does this say about God? What does this say about me in relation to God? And how does this apply to my life? What difference should it make? I read this quote the other day. I can't remember who wrote it, so I'll give credit to whoever that person is. A morsel of food in your diet is better than a starvation plan. If we apply that to the word of God, a morsel of the word of God in your life is better than a starvation plan. Some of you have been on the starvation plan with the word of God. And you need to be reminded today, it's time to pick up the word and reestablish a new diet. I'm not asking you to read the Bible cover to cover. Maybe a morsel for you is one verse a day. That's a great place to start. For those of you who are looking for other ways you can read the Bible, Psalm 119 will be a great chapter for you to hang out in as you learn the value of God's Word. a Proverb a day, not one verse, one chapter a day. Maybe for you, it's the verse of the day. And if you've never read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, consider starting there. It's a great place to begin. The second thing I want to highlight is the need to study the Word of God. Yes, we need to read the Word of God, but as important as reading is spending time doing the deep dive and studying. The example the Bereans leave for us really are in three part. Number one, they were open-minded to the Scriptures and what they said. That is absolutely critical if we're going to study the Word of God effectively. They were eager to get into the Word of God, and they also not only did it together, but they searched the Word of God until they discovered the truth of God's Word. Those are all important factors as we consider studying the Bible, being in the Word daily, testing all things according to the Word of God. Now, there are many different Bible study methods we can take advantage of Maybe there's a word in the Bible you're interested in, and so you're going to do a word study on that throughout the Bible. Maybe there's a topic you're interested in, and so you're going to do a topical study like like marriage. What does God say about marriage, and how can I have a marriage that reflects God's intent for my life? If you're looking to just grasp a better understanding overall of what the Bible says, about what it means and how you can apply it to your life. That's called inductive Bible study. Inductive Bible study is giving us a framework for looking at the scriptures through observation. What does the text actually say? We then begin to ask the question, what does it mean? So we can get around to applying it to our life. I want to remind you that The Bible wasn't written to you first. It was actually written to somebody first. And it's important that we gain the context of who the audience was so we can understand not only what it says, but what it means. And if we don't get around to understanding what it actually means, we'll never get the application of the Word of God correct. A lot of churches today are filled with people who want to preach application after application. It's important that we make the word of God applicable to our lives. You need to hear that. But as pastors, if we don't stand up here and help you know what it says and what it means, and we only give you application, we will starve you to death. And you'll never be able to learn how to apply the Bible on your own to your life. So, open your bulletins, and in it, there's a bookmark that looks like this. One of the really exciting things about this moment in the sermon is I'm sending you home with inductive Bible study guidelines. And by next Sunday, I know you will have all perfected this. Not really. But inductive study requires time in the word and rather than trying to remember the simplicity of what I just said, I want to provide this for you as something you can put in your Bible. Whenever you read the Bible, pull this out and begin to ask these questions. Navigate the scriptures through this little bookmark because all that is on here is intended to help you bring not only understanding of the Word of God to your life, but application of God's Word to your life as well. For those of you who like to be online and use social media as a means of informing you and helping you read and study the Bible, I want to turn you to the Bible Project. BibleProject.com is a great place where you can get not only overviews and summaries of each book of the Bible, but it kind of walks you through how to read the Bible. There's great information there with visual stimulation to help you recognize the Bible for its intended purpose and meaning, but also application to your life. So what's the goal of Bible study? I'm gonna suggest 2 Timothy 2.15. Paul gives us the answer when he writes to Timothy, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. This is who the Bereans were. They handled the word of God correctly. They spent time in it. They studied it. They verified the truth and they were transformed by it. Which leads us to our third point. Not only should we read the Bible and study the Bible, but we should be transformed by the Word of God. Anytime we spend time in God's Word, it has the ability to change our life. The writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Word isn't just information, it truly brings about transformation. Some people like to receive the Word of God by bits, chunks, and pieces rather than the entirety of it. So let me remind you today that the Word of God not only is authoritative, but the whole counsel of God is good for your whole life, for your mind, what you think, for your heart, what you believe, for your conduct, how you live. There's so much of the Bible that we want to set aside because it doesn't line up with our personal beliefs or convictions. We cannot. So much of the Bible, it's hard to do and so we we don't want to focus on that. We need to settle into that. It's convicting. It's helpful in so many ways. But you don't get the bits and pieces of the Bible that you like. You embrace the whole thing because it will change your life. The Old and the New Testament are helpful to living the life that God wants us to live. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 15 and 17, The Apostle Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they've given you wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting Christ Jesus. The first thing we recognize about the Old Testament and the New Testament is that it leads us to salvation in Jesus. But specifically, Paul writing to Timothy is saying, hey, The Old Testament you grew up on leads you to salvation in Jesus. Paul goes on to write, All Scripture, Old and New Testament, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. This is the value of God's word and the authority that it should have in our life as Christians. Lastly, we the word of God. Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke, whoever else was with them on the second journey spreading the gospel throughout the world. And Philippi first, when they get into Europe, and now they leave Luke behind. Thessalonica, Silas, and Timothy get run out of town with Paul, and they end up in Berea. From Berea, they actually send Paul to Athens, and then Paul sends back, hurry and come to be with me. All this movement was the result of their passion, their desire, and their willingness to receive the Lord's command. As you go, share the word of God and the message of the gospel with people. The only hope in the world. In Berea, what was the result? Verse 12, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. Listen to this, when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and they stirred up trouble. Two things the word of God will do as you share it with others. Number one, it will bring conversion to some people's life as they accept the gospel. But number two, it can stir up trouble in your life and in the lives of those around you. In Thessalonica, there was a mob. In Berea, it wasn't the Bereans. It was the Thessalonicans that came to stir up trouble. I'm so encouraged by this because as Paul and Silas and Timothy are sharing God's word with others, they didn't have to focus on the results. They just had to focus on being faithful. And so do we. Now, I can imagine that as they shared and got run out of town, that would have been a little bit alarming and threatening and uneasy. Paul writes in Romans 1, he says, For I'm not ashamed of this good news. And I believe that's why he was able to share it with everybody. I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and then the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. And this faith, by the way, is in trusting Jesus Christ. If Paul was rejected, and if people responded negatively when the word of God was preached by him, we can be certain that when we're rejected and people don't respond positively when we speak the word of God, that we're in good company. But on the positive side, in Thessalonica, some believed. In Berea, many believed. And all those who did believe are results that we leave up to God. But we remain faithful to studying the Word of God, to being in the Word of God, to embracing the Word of God, to receiving the Word of God, to recognizing and realizing that it is the very Word of God that can take an upside-down world that we live in and right-side up it. That didn't make sense, did it? but we turn that which is upside down, right side up. And that's a message that doesn't make sense to the world at all. But that's the hope that the Bible brings to people's lives. And that's the hope that Jesus gives to each one who by faith receive him. That living in a world where there's no hope and my life feels upside down, I can not only find hope in the person of Jesus, but I can now live a life that is right side up. A life that is truly a reflection of God in us. And that's the life that God wants us to live. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We live in a season and a time where we're mindful of the things we're thankful for. So today we are not only thankful for the salvation that comes through the person of Jesus, but for the Word of God and the truth that we can rely on as a place where we can find hope and healing and wholeness. Father, help us to embrace your Word today. Let it change us and through us change others. In Christ's name, amen.